1: New episode of the call up and we are talking about some under the radar prospects, but even more so in a way where you can almost get buried at the top of the minor leagues a bit more than you can get buried at the bottom of the minor leagues. It sounds super counterintuitive, but that's the way it is. I'm Arm Layton, He's Jack McMullen. Minor league free agencies upon us. So we're going to talk about a couple minor league free agents and that kind of sent us down the rabbit hole of. Hey, even the guys that re-upped with their team or even the guys that aren't going to be free agents until maybe next year, we should ID some of these because I've talked to some folks that play in ridiculously deep fantasy leagues that love the, the edge of being able to find a guy that's going to get a little bit of time maybe next year. But beyond that, these are the players that can really help you in a pinch. And if you know your favorite team has a couple guys go down, these are players that either one can plug in and help you or two... uh, could perform enough to end up being a, a little throw-in piece in a trade or something like that. But Triple A, for some reason, Jack, you could speak to this a little bit better because you're in it like as much as anybody. I do have a theory that it's like almost easier to be forgotten there than at the lower levels if you're putting up like a slightly above average season.
2: Yeah, because you know you think about it. All right, third baseman for the Memphis Redbirds. If he has an 850 OPS, what's going to happen? Like Nolan Arenado is playing third base every day for the Cardinals. Oh, you want to flip him over to first base? Well, Paul Goldschmidt's there. You want to try him in a corner? Well, Jordan Walker's there now. There's nowhere for that guy to get up. And
1: And he's probably 25 and doesn't have like sexy prospect intrigue.
2: Exactly. And and you don't have Cardinals Twitter clamoring for this guy to get to St. Louis. It's like, hey, man, just stay at AutoZone Park. And at the end of the year, we're like, well, this guy had an 850 OPS and the big league team sucked. So what happened? Um, It is the hindsight blessing that that fan bases have where they can just look at the triple A numbers. But I think there are a lot of teams like that. And really, I could probably count on one hand the number of teams that can reward that kind of guy. Um, and chances are they're in the cellar of their divisions. Like yeah. winners don't make that move to go grab the 24, 25 year old that is putting up an 850 OPS. They go grab a Luke and Baker who's OPSing eleven hundred and drove in 99 yeah. in what, like 80 games or some yeah. shit like crazy. Yeah. But y- you have to be over the top performing in order to get that shot.
1: And and so we're going to try to identify either the guys that even if they're not over the top performing, like, hey, they've got some interesting underlying data or they just look good in the games that we saw where I think they can still be contributors. I mean, we talked about Davis Schneider. Right. And and that's a guy that you know, we were highlighting early last year. And, and at times, I think even before that, that's a guy that was probably viewed as somebody that needed to go absolutely nuts to get a big league opportunity and did but had never really gotten nuts up to that point. And once he got the big league opportunity, it translated. So there's certain players where you just need the opportunity and it might translate. You mentioned that most of these most of these situations for upper minors guy to get a chance, it's usually a rebuilding team. And that's 100% true. But what's also interesting is that you just have chaos on some rosters. And like the Rays are a perfect example of that this year. And you get a guy like Tristan Gray, who he only got five yeah. plate appearances with, with the Rays this this past season but he got up there hit a bomb and like helped them in a big game and the interesting part about it is that was a guy that had not really put up great numbers at any stop up until this past year but you never know it just shows you how fluid it is and next man up can can always be one of those guys in triple a but these are going to be guys that we genuinely think can actually make an impact um or at least are worth a look
2: yeah, they they are big leaguers that happen to be buried in minor league situations. I yeah. think that's how we're looking at it. And if you come for the top 100 prospect conversation, unfortunately, this is not your episode. But I'm telling you, if you're a fan of these teams at some point next year, chances are you'll be clamoring for this guy to come up at and some point. help alleviate some issue.
1: 100 percent. You want to start, though, with the free agents, because. Obviously there won't be any fan of those particular teams, but I think some people want to know, you know, you see the list of minor league free agents and you're like, Oh my gosh. Okay. those are a lot of names. There's probably some names we missed because there's so many of them, but there was just a few names that we grabbed that I just think are the most intriguing. And it's like, Oh, they let that guy walk. Or, you know, he opted to walk uh, and and maybe seek out greener pastures for the exact reasons we, we mentioned. Figure we start with that and I'll give you the floor. I, Jonathan Prolaza, surprising free agent with the Cubs, uh, th- th- there should be teams. According to to Jack McMullen, he should have his pick of twenty nine ball clubs for whatever minor league deal he wants.
2: Yeah, maybe thirty. Like maybe the Cubs are are back in it. I I found it fascinating because Nelson Velasquez got opportunity after opportunity with the Cubs, and he ended up being traded to Kansas City at the deadline. Nelson Velasquez is a big leaguer uh, moving forward, right? And and Velasquez was a little underwhelming in his big league opportunities with the Cubs, but he got up on a depleted Royals team. You know, this is a rebuilding team that was looking for corner power. So if Velasquez is sought after like that, why isn't Jonathan Perlaza, who OPSed over 900, sneaky swiped, I think, 20 bags or around 20 bags, was a 2020 threat? He's built like a freak, a fire hydrant. I mean, he is one of the thicker bodies that I've ever seen in AAA. And he's got a well-rounded game. I've also heard nothing but great things about Jonathan Perlaza. Like this guy flew through any English class he took. And he's pretty much like he challenges himself to to get fluent in English. And and those are the guys that I can really you know latch on to because if they're that committed to it, chances are they're that committed to bettering themselves as baseball players as well. So I I'm fascinated by Perlaza. I think that this guy, you know, like chances that he's a good big leaguer, probably low, but chances that he's a big leaguer, I think really high. Yeah.
1: You know, and it's, I, I haven't, well, actually, first of all, <laughs> happy birthday, Jonathan Perlaza. Oh, yay. 25th birthday today, uh, which is awesome. But, I, I can't sit here and pretend I've grinded the Jonathan Perlaza defense, you know, defensive tape. I, I I'm not gonna not gonna lie to the audience here or anything like that. But everything you've said, I mean, when you brought up Perlaza, you know obviously had to go check out some of the hits and and go watch some A B's. I mean, the guy can swing. You're right. I mean, he's built. It's a stocky build, but he's powerful. He's not slow. He he is pretty athletic, as you alluded to with the with the stolen bases. I, I think the Cubs want him back, but He's a smart guy for looking at the free agent opportunities because when you have a chance like this as a minor league free agent, you can get a nice little check. You know, you could get a half a million dollar deal if a team really wants you as, you know, depth in that system or depth for the big league club. And I mean, just look at the last three years here. High A, 99 games as a 22 year old. That's the other thing. He's not that old. He just turned 25. 123 WRC plus. 23% 23% K rate, 9% walk rate. 2022 in Double A, he had a 122 WRC plus, 23 home runs, 15 bags, 23% K rate, ups the walk rate to 13%. Then this past year in AAA, 23 home runs again in three less games, 13 bags, ups the walk rate by one more tick to 14%, drops the strikeout rate by a percent down to 22%. That's a 130 WRC plus. I, I assume there's probably some defensive limitations here. Again, I have not grinded the, the, the tape, and uh, I know he's not the best hitter against secondaries, but if this guy can hit fastballs, he's a switch hitter. He gives you a little bit of speed, can probably play both corners. I, I think that this is a pretty intriguing guy and probably the top minor league free agent, if I'm not mistaken. Again, there might be some names that we're missing. I can only see so many, but I think Jonathan Perlaza is an interesting one for sure, and and that kind of leads me into my favorite free agent here too, who I think is kind of cut from a similar cloth and it's, it's Andres Chaparro and, and, and have we settled on Chaparro? I was thinking
2: Chaparro Chaparro No, we said sure. I haven't Shapiro. seen him play.
1: Shapiro is probably it. Another young free agent here though. And I know Yankees fans were not thrilled to see him elect free agency. Cause I know Yankees fans are pretty excited about this guy, um, you know, in, in a relative way, of course, but, the batting average in the OBP, not quite where you wanted to see them this year, but this guy was 23, I think, at the start of the season. 24 years old, so really young free agent because made his pro debut at 17 years old. But he went nuts in A last year. 64 games, posted a 158 WRC+, 19 homers. And then this past year in AAA, it wasn't bad by any means. 25 homers, only a 90 WRC+, plus because offense is, you know, was so high in AAA this past year. But a 7.75, you know, OPS is not bad at all. Walked at an 11% clip, struck out at just a 22% clip, and I, I think this guy can really hit. So it, there's going to be whiff. There's going to be some questions about where the heck he's going to play, and I think that's the big issue. Is it's he's limited to first or third, and you know that's that's obviously puts more pressure on the bat. But this guy yeah. had a 90th percentile exit velocity of 106. He popped Damn. some 112s, 113s. He might even popped a 114. Like. It's plus power easily. And he hits the ball in the air a lot, only a 35% ground ball rate. So it's bat heavy, but a 24 year old who can still maybe make some improvements and already is showing some monster power. I think this is another guy that's going to get a couple hundred thousand dollars uh, on a minor league deal.
2: Yeah. And the question is definitely defense. And that's probably why I side with Perlaza because I've seen him play an adequate corner outfield. And I know that he can play center as well. Uh, Shaparo, Yeah, it's a corner thing, but it's a corner masher, like a corner infield masher. Yeah. Um, You know, if if he's your third string first baseman, that guy's valuable where he's waiting in triple A. And if a guy goes down in the first base or D.H. spot and typically those guys do at some point, um, he gets a shot. So I, I think it's great. He's also like far and away. The youngest guy that we're talking about here, at, at yeah. a young twenty-four years old.
1: Exactly, and that's why I'm like, I think something could click for him, right? He could start making a little bit more contact, or all of a sudden, you know, the the offensive profile becomes a little bit safer. It's definitely a guy that I'd be identifying if I was, you know, with a team and you know looking to just try to find a diamond in the rough. One other potential diamond in the rough that you know I, I do think will have uh, plenty of suitors is Robert Perez Jr. Uh, he was with the Seattle Mariners this is the youngest guy we're going to talk about uh because he's the only one that's you know hadn't played in A at all rare to see a, a minor league free agent this early but another dude that signed really 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 young and uh Perez massive year in 2022 uh, and then I saw him out in the Arizona Fall League after that uh and there was a lot of hype around him after what he did in you know low A and high a I think it was 92 games with a 120 WRC plus and 20 homers in low A, and then continued the success in high A by posting a 193 WRC plus in 35 games. Uh, It was just a really, really, really good season for him. But then he gets to double A, not quite as good of a year, but it wasn't like it was some complete disaster. 23 years old, making the jump to double A with some swing and miss concerns. Yeah, there's going to be some acclimation process. Still hit 16 home runs, 93 WRC plus, but struck out 30 percent of the time and walk just seven and a half he hits the ball real hard and he's young and I think there's some questions defensively is that's typically going to be the trend here on a lot of these guys uh limited to probably first base or a mediocre corner outfield but again you give me a 23 year old big strong some track record of success and you know it wasn't bad in double a it's another guy that I think a lot of teams will be interested in
2: yeah, the, the only concern, and I don't know how validated this is across all thirty teams, but a thirty percent K rate in double A translates to what at the major league level. You know what I mean? No, like, I know, it,
1: and that's why you're you're signing him to a minor league deal and you're you're just hoping he can yeah. continue to progress. But yeah, it's, when you thirty you know what 30% it is? chase it's, and end zone whiff, it's gonna be tough
2: it's the Mason Martin thing and and we talked about Mason Martin before we hit the record button but Mason Martin is now a minor league free agent and this guy like he's the son of a bodybuilder he looks the part and he hits the ball at crazy evs and he can get 20 to 25 homers if he plays you know 140 games in a minor league season but like it's a 30 plus percent k-rate and yeah. does that jump to 40 if he gets a big league cameo like there are just a lot of concerns with with those really high k-rate guys in the minor leagues
1: yeah and and those are the guys I'll take a flyer on hope they can you know piece it together a little bit offensively and and if not move on to the next one Robert Perez did hit a home run 482 feet this year, by the way though which is which is crazy so now back to affiliated ball or at least players that are you know currently with an affiliation yeah. We got
2: one more free agent. Oh, do we have one more free agent? Rafael Antigua.
1: Oh, yeah, I forgot. Okay, Rafael Antigua. This was a a name from you, but I did actually dig him up right before. That's how I knew he was a a free agent before we recorded. And then I forgot. Now you remembered uh, Antigua Blue Jays. Really good year.
2: Great year. Great year. Slash 305, 425, 469. He drew 98 walks in 129 games. So this guy was walking like nobody's business. He swiped twenty-eight bags, hit um, forty doubles. It, like Homer's not going to be a big part of his game. He had a career high twelve and then any stop in the minor leagues. But this guy, forty doubles, hit three hundred with an OBP over four twenty, and he's a minor league free agent. That was in AAA as a twenty-four year old. Like yeah, that works. That it, it works, and it's he's twenty yeah twenty now
1: twenty-five, but five eight. You know, smaller guy. Small zone, chases it just an 18% clip. Surprise, surprise. Makes a good amount of contact. Like He's just a scrappy player. Uh, I, again, the guy that I need to watch a little bit more uh, of the defensive tape, but he got action in left, third, uh, right, second. I think even plugged into center. Like, this is a super utility type of dude for you um, that I think has some intrigue. A super utility guy that can get on base and, and steal a handful of bags. I think he stole more than a handful this year. Did you mention how many he stole? 28 bags, yeah. Oh, yeah, 28, yeah. I mean, that's that's an intriguing player and another guy that I know teams will love to have for depth purposes in AAA. Oh. Now, with affiliated ball, are guys that are currently with a team. I want to start with probably a guy that's been one of my favorite under-the-radar prospects for a while now, and I'm just going to continue to talk about him until he gets his big league opportunity with the Cubs or with somebody else. But Jake Slaughter... This is a guy that I just feel like does not get the respect he deserves and is so much more athletic than I think anybody would think when they look at him. But then you see this guy go and he can run into baseballs. He can also motor again, does not look like he's nearly as fast as he's going to be, but he can move and just continues to put together great seasons or at least really solid ones. 2022, he started in high A. Mash through there, gets the bump up to double A and destroys that to a 142 WRC plus at 293, 20 homers and 28 bags in 86 games. Then this year in triple A this past season, 104 games, 22 homers, 16 bags. The strikeout rate went up a little bit and something to monitor, but still in the palatable range at 27 and a half percent, walk 10 and a half percent. But again, you see the, the power, the speed. He's a he's a solid defender at third. This is a good player. Like This is a player that I actually do think could come up and through stretches be impactful uh, and and plug in. If he doesn't, he doesn't. But I do think that this is a guy that could plug in and and be impactful. And at 6'2", like 240, 230, it's crazy how fast he can move.
2: Yeah, and he can play first, second, and third. Yep. So he's got defensive versatility. Um, Each of the last two years, he's had an 100-point jump from batting average to OBP. And he's slugging around 500. He slugged 514 in 22, 483 in 23. So, you know, when you want to ID OPS guys, like we've talked about it, Max Muncy is an OPS guy. There are a bunch of other OPS guys. Edward Julien is an OPS guy. Jake Slaughter's an OPS guy. He's going to get on base. He's going to slug. He's going to swipe bags when he does walk. And he's got a little bit of defensive versatility. Like, what's not to employ here? He's a very employable baseball player,
1: a hundred percent. And I, you know, there's some in zone whiff, and I think that's part of the concern. How does that translate to the big league level? But I, I think the way that he can hedge that is just by cutting down on the chase a little bit. He does that, walks a little bit more. You know, he's going to run into baseballs. You know, he can move around the infield, and you know, he can motor. I, I think that this is a dude that ends up in some sort of spot making a, either making a debut this coming season, or it could be a guy that, you know, gets ID'd by another team that needs some depth or, you know, like a Royals type team. Like we see who just kind of seems to collect these kind of players like infinity stones and see if any of them can, can stick. He is real five eligible. Uh, I don't know if he's going to be someone that gets picked because of the swing and miss concerns, but there, there, there's some intrigue there. I'm sure some teams would have conversations about him. Yeah. Next. And probably so we tried to focus on prospects who will not would not be in the top 10 of their farm system. This would probably be the one of maybe two guys that may toe that line. But Damiano Pomegiani, he probably is a top 10 prospect in that J system. But I wanted to talk about him anyway, because got to see him in the Arizona Fall League. And I love his name and. He's he's pretty intriguing. Yeah, he had a really nice season all, all around. Blue Jays they seem to just kind of find some these types of dudes that really hit baseball's hard, look the part. Again, swing and miss concerns, but hedges it just by hitting the crap out of the ball and and walking a good deal. Like really really walks. So, Palmengiani between A AA and AAA this past year, I mean he was he was pretty darn solid uh, across the board. You got a Two fifty five, three sixty four, four seventy eight slash lines and one twenty seven WRC plus plus thirteen percent walk rate, twenty seven and a half percent K rate. Again, a guy that probably I don't know I haven't like done the J system yet, but could be in that range. I Actually, like the defense at third too, uh, from what I saw. Twenty three years old, um, definitely a, a blue zone at, at the top of the strike zone. Like needs to cut down on the uh, on the high fastball chase and some of the, the high fastball whiff, but. Um, pretty good approach overall, and uh, he looks the part physically.
2: It'll be fascinating how they fill the Matt Chapman void. I don't think Palmejani is the answer right now, but what I will say is if they hit an assessment period and they think that Vladimir Guerrero Jr. is a trade candidate, they don't think he's got it in Toronto and you know they want to cash in on him, Palma Giannani, I saw him play a good first base this year. So this guy is a corner candidate at third base or first base. And he hits the crap out of the ball. He plays like a big dude, which fascinates me. And, you know, he he brought a level of intimidation, just getting some live looks at him um, that I wasn't really expecting from a guy like this. But he can be, I think, a serviceable not middle of the order bat, but like if you had him in the five or six spot as, as a, you know, third baseman or a first baseman, I feel really comfortable with Palmishani there.
1: I, I'd i look at left too. Um, mm-hmm. Cause they were having him out there a little bit in the fall league. And by the way, back-to-back games with the homers in the fall league, uh, as we speak both on the eighth and the ninth, so Wednesday, Thursday uh, and played in the fall stars game, but Whit Merrifield is gone. Um, you mentioned third base bases an opening two and maybe David Schneider slides in there. I, I don't know what they're going to do there. It'll be interesting to see, but in triple a, he made 33 or he made 33 appearances and left. And we've seen him do a little bit more of that in, uh, in the fall league. Again, though, the versatility is valuable. Even if you're not going to excel at, at any particular spot, if you're a power hitter, that's trying to nestle his way into a big league roster. And, you know, one of the openings is from a guy that literally made a career out of, you know, versatility in Whit Merrifield. I think that Palma, <clears throat> Palma can kind of force his way in here and, and be a solid bench utility type that can play left third first. I mean, we know Vladdy's not great defensively there. So if they want to plug in, you know, Brandon belt's not there anymore either. So they don't have like the, the clog of first base guys. This is a dude that should get a look this coming season. And I think that the, the Jays are kind of inspired for, by some of their hometown looks after what Davis did. And I think with Aurelvis Martinez, maybe projecting as the guy that may be able to compete for the third base job. Uh, yeah. If he struggles, then they can plug Palmejani in there. If he's succeeding, then you got room for him and left spot starts elsewhere.
2: Barger is probably the better prospect than Palmejani, but yeah. I would say for 2024 with Bo Bichette handling shortstop every day, Palmagiani makes more sense on the big league roster than Barger does.
1: Yeah, I think that was I think Barger, what's funny, too, is I'm pretty sure they were giving him looks and left as well, if I'm not mistaken. So I think
2: he I think they were. And, and like Barger's right was, in right. He
1: made 33 right. starts in right. So I think it's pretty much an open competition amongst like infield prospects of, hey, we're probably going to have an open spot in the corner outfield. and Whichever one of you looks the part like we'll roll with that.
2: And I will say as of 2023, like just looking at the 2023 season in a vacuum, I thought that Barger fell a little bit shy of elevated expectations yeah. and Palmajani exceeded lower expectations.
1: No doubt. And, and Barger battled some injuries and, and things like that. But at the end of the day, like you're, what you did is what you did. 88 games was enough of a sample size to get things rolling. And he didn't quite. He had some nice flashes, but I'm with you. And I think they're going to go into camp with, uh, on pretty level playing ground uh, with the chance to to try to help this team going into next year, which, you know, I, I don't think they care who was, you know, highly, more highly regarded before and, and any of that stuff, because this team's just trying to just trying to survive and, and trying to, trying to finally win a playoff series. So uh, it'll be interesting to see how they try to fill things in and then how much faith they put into some of their prospects. Yeah. Devin man, Dodgers guy that we talked about for a while. Cause he was always, 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 always blocked. And finally gets an opportunity with the Royals in triple a. So I shouldn't say finally gets an opportunity because he's doing the same thing, but he should get an opportunity at the big league level at some point this coming season. And finally gets to a ball club where he's not indefinitely blocked. And what's interesting is after the trade, he did struggle a little bit with Kansas city, but it's weird, man. That's something I've seemed to notice a lot in the minor leagues. Even if guys get traded, and they're playing in the same level. They just seem to have a little bit of this like acclimation process, a lot of new arms. Obviously, you're playing in new environments, all of those things. So, uh, and it wasn't like he was terrible. He still hit for some power, but really good numbers in the PCL and, and really good numbers with the Dodgers and AAA. And this is just another one of those dudes cut from like the nota cloth where it's like he's hit at every single stop. When you look at the WRC plus column, you, you're rarely going to see two digits aside from the the short stint. In AAA with Kansas City, where it was 95, but it's it's triple digit WRC plus every every other every other stop. He's also versatile. He also can can swing it, and I think balances a little bit of juice, hedges just enough whiff, walks. He's going to get an opportunity with the with the Royals next year. It's just what he does with it.
2: Yeah, it's a matter of time. Omaha, you mentioned he he struggled 37 games, hit a buck 99 but had a 354 on base. So he like curbed the cold stretch enough to put together a formidable OBP, which, which I can really appreciate. Um, But this guy, yeah, he can play second. He can play third. Like there's a bunch of options here with Devin man. And and he's just kind of hit everywhere. Not to the level that Noda did, which is why Noda was a clear cut rule five pick. Um, But man, like, I don't know if man goes in the rule five draft if he's left unprotected. Having said that, I think that this guy deserves a big league cameo at some point in
1: 2024. Yeah. And, and we'll, we'll, we'll be doing the uh, the rule five draft stuff soon. Uh, don't don't you worry about that. We'll be. Uh, once the deadline. Yeah, that's next week. Yeah. 40 man deadlines next week. So once we have that, we'll be ready to go. Man's a candidate that could. Get snacks. So I mean, if the Royals have the spot, I think they'll try to use that on man. But at the same time, probably a little bit too much swing and miss for for him to yeah. be a guy that's gonna that come off the board unless you do what Noda has done in the minor leagues, which is just a different level as you as you mentioned. But we saw starts at first base, second base, third base. He was even playing shortstop with Oklahoma City, which is crazy. Uh, he played a little bit of left as well. So just another dude that can move all over the diamond. Another guy, friend of the show, Jimmy Heron of the Rockies. And Jimmy Heron, this is one of those where it's like, what did he need to do last year to debut? And I I I, I coincidentally a couple of his his buddies literally texted me that exact question. Like, what the hell does Jimmy have to do to, to get a chance? Like the guy just just purely has hit the last two years. And you know, I understand that the PCL is it's it's a place where your numbers are going to get watered down, and you, you question how it's going to you know translate to big league success. But his big league home is would would presumably be Colorado, right? Like yeah. it would presumably be a place where he, of course, will see the ball fly and carry, and it's not much different than his home field of Albuquerque. But getting into a slash the slash lineup. First?
2: yeah, yeah. Do, do you have a slash lineup? Because I've got the PCL average. Yeah, I have
1: have a slash line up. I'll read it to you and then we'll go PCL average. Okay. 296, 395, 498 slash line, a 13% walk rate, a 19% K rate, 19 homers, and 33 bags on 38 tries.
2: So I don't have um, like, you know, average homers, average RBIs, all that, but I do have the average slash line. So what does that OPS come out to? What What are the OPS? OPS comes out to 893. 893. Okay. So in the PCL this year, the average hitter slashed 272. So 25 point advantage for Heron, 369, 25 point advantage for Heron, 453, 40 point advantage for Heron. So that's an 822 league average OPS. It's a 70 point advantage for Jimmy Heron. Yeah. So relatively speaking, like you could say, oh, Albuquerque. No, like he was a well above average hitter this yeah. year in the PCL.
1: WRC plus 117, to your point. And yep. he's in the Winter League right now. I think the Rockies said to a couple of their, their guys that performed last year, go out to the Winter League. So he's playing, I think, in Mexico.
2: Uh, Hermosillo.
1: Yeah. So that's fun Uh, and and a good good opportunity for him to just keep getting reps. And I think this is somebody that should get a look, especially with the Rockies potentially just not being good. Like there was points where they had – you know, Michael Tolia on the outfield. And I'm like, I, just let me see Jimmy Heron out there. Cause he's fast. Yeah. He, he makes a lot of contact. He, he walks and is he going to produce a ton of power? Probably not, but he produces enough. He gets them ball in the air and it carries. And we've seen him put up decent home run output. And this is a guy that was a third round pick by the cups. As uh, a guy that's performed you know, at, at different stops. He's just been hurt a lot through the years. So, Heron's a, a guy that I we've we've talked about in Rule 5 previews, stuff like that, and I, I, he just hasn't done anything but hit. His teammates love him. He's a good player. He's well-rounded. He can play all three outfield spots. This is somebody that I hope gets a shot this coming year at 27 years old who really has done everything he can do.
2: Some some really good teammates on the Naran Heros to Uh Carter Kiboom Alfonso Rivas, and the legend Tyrone Guerrero reliever mm-hmm. that was throwing a billion miles an hour Yeah, Marlins legend Marlins, Marlins legend Marino. White Sox legend <laughs> that's a good one that's a good name next
1: Zach Deloach I yeah. wanted to throw him in here because the Mariners have a I uh, have a, a, a couple interesting guys I think that you know we talked about Perez but he's a free agent Deloach is not he was drafted in the second round of 2020 yep. and another guy that yeah you know, a little bit of whiff, not a ton of value defensively, but can play both corners fine, but runs into baseballs, man. He hits them hard, and he launched 23 homers this past season. He's been solid at just about each stop, and is he performed to the way that maybe you hoped your second-round pick would? Maybe maybe a little shy of that, but 30 doubles, 23 homers, kept the strikeout rate under 30%, walked around 13% of the time, this is a dude that probably deserves a little bit more shine that just hasn't gotten it. Um, he he can hit the ball just simply.
2: Yeah, there were a bunch of guys, not a bunch, but there were some guys that got up with Seattle where it was Deloach or Cade Marlowe, Deloach or um, I don't know, like even a Haggerty, right? Like it, it, there are spots where Deloach could have fit into a Mariners lineup. Yeah, and those guys are
1: just more dynamic, you know. Yeah, yeah no,
2: exactly. So it's a matter of, I guess, the right guy going down for Deloach to get his shot with Seattle. Um, He shouldn't need to be added to the 40 this year, being a 2020 draftee. I think it's the 19 draftees that get added this year. So, yeah, yeah, it'll um, it'll be interesting to see if he does get the shot. But these are the guys that we wanted to identify, guys that are, quote unquote, blocked, that can probably play their way up a la Davis Schneider.
1: Yeah, or or be the third piece in like a package for for a trade or something like that. Because there's again a rebuilding team. If if that's the third piece in a deal and you're telling me you'll throw DeLochan and I can audition a guy in the outfield immediately as a third piece in a deal, like sure. Sure, why not? Guy that might end up being that is is Blaine Krim of the Rangers, because in terms of underlying data, Jack, this dude might have the most intriguing that the, the, the data that could actually translate the most to big league success and Krim, I mean, he had a big year and we can talk about hitter friendly environments, all that good stuff, but he had a really big year offensively. And you want, do you have the slash line in the WRC plus up in front of you?
2: I don't have the WRC plus, but I have the slash line.
1: All right. Can you read the slash line and then I'll contextualize it with some advanced data.
2: 290, 385, 506 is an 891 OPS, 31 doubles, 22 homers, 85 driven in. And oh, by the way, he was one for one in the stolen base department. (laughs) Yeah,
1: perfect. The first baseman, definitely stuck there, definitely all about the bat. He's like 5'11", 200. But most of these guys that like perform, especially in the PCL and stuff like that, You don't see them get at big league opportunities, despite the big offensive output, because some of the underlying data is so concerning. Jack Delos would be a perfect example of that, right? He's 75% zone contact, bad numbers against breaking balls. We're talking about him because the numbers are good and he hits the ball hard and he still should get a shot. But I can understand why that guy doesn't get a shot. When you see those numbers, this guy in Blaine crim, I want to see him get a shot because contact rates are above average 90th percentile is 106 he doesn't Damn. chase and the numbers were there the swing itself is is really clean and efficient and and he's just Dude that I think could just end up mashing. Is he going to be a war accumulator because, you know, he doesn't have a position? Yeah, I don't think he's going to be a war accumulator. But if this is a bat for me off the bench, platoon piece potentially that can just get up there and run into baseballs, I'm interested. He hits lefties even better. Uh, 900 plus OPS against lefties. I think that this is a big league bat in some capacity. 26 years old, by the way.
2: Damn. Yeah, man. I mean... It's hard to jigsaw my way to him getting an at bat with the Texas Rangers in 2024. So it's not almost no way. There's almost no way.
1: But again, like if that's a guy that could be a supplemental piece in a deal, I'd be all over it if I'm a team. Because I'm like, yeah, this dude could actually swing it enough for us to to be a sneaky piece here. We see it all the time, especially at uh, first base. Those like offensive driven positions where you know people just just ignore guys. Uh, because they assume they're just never going to hit enough at the highest level. But yep. the underlying data is intriguing enough. Next up is a guy that kind of fits on the other side of the spectrum, but I know you love uh, Junior Severino, who look, there is no doubting the power of Junior Severino, who just re-signed, right, with the, with the Minnesota Twins. So Severino, uh, obviously the Twins didn't want him to walk, and he feels like he has a path to maybe some playing time with this ball club. And and I love seeing that when a guy performs in triple a and then re-ups with the team, one, that's kind of telling me, Hey, this guy feels like he's got a better path right here than he does somewhere else of one of the 29 other teams, which says, Hey, he sees a pretty direct line here. And two, the team obviously still having interest in him and buying into what, what he is doing. So those are two encouraging things. Severino is a switch hitting just monster. There's a monster that can play first. He can play third. He can play, I uh, I don't know where the defense is really best. Probably first. He's not. Don't uh, care. <laughs> I, yeah, we don't care about the defense, right? We are here to talk about the power. And I have his spray charts up, dude. And there's like a couple balls that are almost off the entire map that they that they provide for you here. Yeah. And it's a 485 home, foot home run that he hit on like July 26th. And then there's a 467. That he hit in
2: early August. I called one of them. Uh, can you see the opponent? I I might have called the four eighty one. You didn't call the four eighty one. Okay, maybe four sixty seven. There's a couple four sixties.
1: Yeah, it I called one. Lefty
2: of them. one. Yeah, I don't remember. I called <laughs> one of the four so, Oh,
1: here it was it the
2: Roansy Contreras one? Yes, it was. He took. So that, that was
1: only four thirty, but he hit that 112 miles an hour.
2: That's right. Yeah, I I remember him just taking a ball to the stratosphere. Yeah, um,
1: that'll qualify.
2: He hits taters like that's just what this guy does. He was under 50% in his stolen base rate. He was three for seven. He had 17 doubles. He doubled that number in the homer department. 17 doubles, 35 homers. Do you ever see that? This guy wants to hit homers and he hit 35 of them this year between double and triple a. And that resulted in a 900 OPS. He may frustrate the old guard. Don't care. (laughs) He's going to give a team 30 (laughs) homers in triple a this year. Yeah. And there's something electric about that, especially as a switch hitter. And you know what? I'm okay with the swing and miss being honestly worse than it was. If he's going to give me 30 to 35 homers at the triple-A level.
1: Yeah, 71% zone contact, 18.5% swinging strike rate. He gets it off. Oh, he gets it off, baby. He (laughs) He snaps it. it. He snaps it, and that's all I want. Like, Okay, realistically, Severino's never going to get an opportunity to be an everyday guy. But you could be in a pinch where you need Severino up, and he's going to play for a couple weeks. I don't care if he goes four for 25. If he gets four off, and, and just rips for 460 feet like that's that's what he's there for. And I think that this is kind of that spark plug guy that you could plug in and he's going to get him off, like you said. So um, he's fun and worth noting it was his age 23 season. So if he can make a marginal gain in the chase rate department and then somehow hedge some of the whiff, who knows? Maybe you got a bench power bat here, but he's just fun and we have to still talk about him. Yes. Next up, we got Isaiah Gilliam, Seattle Mariners prospect who also just re-upped with this ball club. Uh, So another similar situation here. Gilliam's a guy I honestly have not seen a ton of, but I think had kind of a, another switch hitter, sneaky, decent ear. And ultimately there's a reason why they kept him around, but another dude with, Plenty of whiff, like a very fair amount of whiff, but doesn't chase and hits the ball really. That seems to be the trend here, right, Jack? It's just guys that hit the crap out of the ball and whiff too much, and you're just hoping that you pick the right one that ends up whiffing a little less. I, I so, feel like that's that's a big trend of these minor league free agents or, or just underrated upper minors guys. This dude's 6'3", as a switch hitter, 220 pounds. Talk about 90th percentiles. 108. I mean, just murdering baseballs. He hit a home run this year, 113 miles an hour, that went 478 feet. Then he hit another one, 110, off of Blake Beers, great name. 468 feet, 110. Then there's another one, one more for you, off of Travis Adams, 116 at 450 feet. Like, I'm willing to find out if this guy can make a little bit more contact.
2: So this is one of the guys that I'm just like, he's 27. How's he not gotten a chance yet? He spent 2021 in Somerset, 100 games. He had a 740 OPS. He had only 11 homers, but he swiped 26 backs. 2022 split the year between double and Triple A with Cincinnati. This guy had an 860 OPS, 18 homers, 13 for 14 in the stolen base department. And then this year, he splits the year between double and triple A with Seattle. 25 homers, 25 bags, and 890 OPS. It's an every year thing where he's going to give you speed. He's going to give you crazy juice in spurts. And he's going to get on base enough to to be valuable every day in a triple A lineup. Is he an everyday big leaguer? No. Is he already 27 years old? Yes. Does he deserve a shot in the major leagues? I think so.
1: I think so too. And when you can hit the ball like that, and this is a big athletic dude, those are the guys and I'm like, I, want, I just love I'd love them to just I at least have a big league spring training here where they, they can have big leaguers around them, get their hands on them. And, and sometimes it's just one little thing clicking for these guys. Again, they don't need to make elite contact. If they can make kind of poor contact in terms of rates, they'll be productive as hell because you can't teach this kind of power. You just can't teach it. So I mean, he's up there. Like he's 70 raw, like 70 raw power with bordering on like 75. Those are guys that I will sign to my AAA ball club every day of the week. And if he strikes out 35% of the time, so be it. Like that's fine. Then he stays in AAA. But there's always the chance that something can click. And those are the guys that sometimes can come up and and have a nice couple weeks for you uh, and fill in going to yeah. the pitching side now we got to start with one of my favorite underrated guys it's it's to the point now where I think if anybody anybody listens to this show um he's not even underrated to them anymore uh, but Evan McKendry yeah. just really just continues to get outs he's just a get outs King uh the era slightly inflated in AAA uh, after the trade but and he was traded from Tampa Bay to Milwaukee but I actually really liked this snag from Milwaukee because is he a guy that's going to be a fixture in your rotation? No, but Evan McKendree is a guy that in an emergency spot, start needs someone to fill in. I know you can give my ball club a shot and and he can go in there and give you a quality start. And he was pretty much a quality start machine in a lot of ways over the last couple of years. Is he going to miss enough bats at the big league level? That's, that's probably the question. But McKendry fills up the zone. He he has a nasty cutter. He also mixes in this, this funky changeup. It's a unique release point, just unique shapes on his pitches. And uh, it just keeps guys off balance. And and hitters that I've talked to have faced him. I have said it's just a weird at bat. Like you, you don't feel overmatched. You don't feel like you're you're not gonna hit. You can't hit him. But when he lands the strikes, the fastball for a strike 75% of the time and dots it, and it has this weird crazy carry and then he's got this really nasty change off of that and then he can bore this cutter in on you he's just a massager and sometimes those guys are are great depth to have i i likened him to a brian hoeing with the marlins and i -hmm. know that hoeing had some ups and downs but i mean that was a guy that it sounds crazy brian hoeing helped the marlins go to the playoffs because he protected them from a lot of extra bullpen games by going three, four innings out of the opener. And I think that's something that McKendry can do for this Brewers club, which may be kind of starved for pitching. We were going to talk about Robert Gasser, but he's too good to be considered an underrated upper minors guy. Robert Gasser is probably going to be grabbing one of the spots in the rotation. They're going to need a little bit of depth in there. And I wouldn't be surprised if McKendry gets a little bit of action.
2: Evan McKendry has thrown 343 minor league innings. Um, What do you think his strikeout to walk rate is? A good one is what three?
1: What what is it? What is the average strikeout to walk right now?
2: I'll tell you right now. In the I don't want to do the twenty twenty three international league because that was abs. But so I'm going to go to the good ones like
1: two and a half
2: average strikeout to walk rate. Um, yeah, two and a half, two point three, two and a half, two and a half at the major league level. Four and a half for Evan McKendry, 4.43 strikeouts for every walk. In his minor league career, he's striking out a hitter per nine, 8.7. He's walking two hitters per nine. His ability to constantly be in the strike zone and constantly be on the corners where he's not getting hit too hard, a career 3.75 ERA in the minor leagues. If you give me a sub four ERA with two walks per nine, that guy's starting every week for me at the AAA level, every single week. And he's one of my first yanks up when I need a spot start.
1: Yeah. And, and what I like about him is, is low release height. Again, just kind of some deception there. It's a, it's, a, it's just a funky, it's a funky angle for hitters. And he runs a two seamer. He runs a four seamer. And then he's got the the cutter, the slider, and then that changeup, that's his best pitch. So I, I'm with you. I This guy's going to get some big league opportunity this coming year. I, I feel pretty confident about it, how he does. We'll, we'll see, but also a really good dude. Um, Always was respectful when he shoved it uh, against our teams in high school. Very nice guy. After, uh, but no, seriously, he's he's a great guy that uh, I know a lot of people in, in in the game are are a big fan of uh, as a teammate or um, you know just even as a guy to to train with and stuff like that. And and a grinder, right? These are the kind of guys you root for. That was higher profile out of high school. Goes to Miami. It, was hurt but showed flashes there gets drafted a little bit later because of the flashes that he showed. And It is just grinded his way through the minor leagues, despite sitting 91 to 92 with his fastball uh, and, and being a relatively average build. Like those are the guys that like Brian Hoeing love to root for. And I I think we'll get some much deserved big league time. Next up, Joey Cantillo, probably not in the, the guardians top 10 more because of the fact that the guardians, Top ten is so good. He could probably nestle his way in there. He's probably right on the edge. But we like Cancelo is another kind of friend of the show. We want to get him on like a full length podcast. But we did that that interview with him at the uh, what's it called? Now am I drawing a blank now? Futures game. I mean, Geez, I wanted to say Fall Stars. I'm still in Arizona Fall League mode. Oh. Uh, he was awesome and and so insightful. And I'm I would love to pick his brain a little bit more on on just his pitching mentality, but. The Guardians have a have a fun upside arm here that has given us stretches of, wow, this guy could be a top 100 prospect. And then also stretches of, okay, is he maybe going to end up in a bullpen? You know, six, four lefty with good stuff, but challenges to consistently find the zone. And he talks about all of that in our conversation. 13 percent walk rate this past season, but a lot of whiff and really good stretches I don't know what it's all going to look like for Cantillo when it's all said and done, but I do know what it can look like. And what it can look like is really intriguing.
2: I'm worried about the possible reliever risk here. And I think that's what a lot of other people are worried about, but that guy is so intuitive and cerebral when it comes to pitching. And the fact that we learned that about him in a 20 minute conversation, sitting in a hotel lobby. Yeah bodes really well for his future as a possible starting pitcher. Cause if he can articulate that in a 20 minute conversation at a crowded (laughs) Weston, I I think chances are, he's going to be just fine figuring it out for himself in the grand scheme of his baseball career. I'd bet a lot of money on this guy being a starting pitcher in the big leagues.
1: Yeah. I would say the only, the only other thing that is, is, you know, maybe in it again, knock on wood of that stuff is just injury concerns, you know, and, and that's something that could be out of, out of, control but in terms of what he can control to your point the way that he was describing some of the things that he wants to do better some of the things that the guardians had him working on some of the things that he kind of wanted to investigate further at the end of the season those are all things that do bode well to a guy's chance of sticking as a starter because you have that ability to be critical of yourself without it being damaging to your confidence yeah yeah and and i think that's exactly what he's confident like that was one of the things that you, you noticed right away when we talked to him like He's confident, but in a very humble and this is what I need to do. And if I do this, I can be this good kind of way. And I think that's that's exactly what you want out of your pitchers. And the Guardians do a good job of IDing those type of guys. That said, if it doesn't work out for whatever reason, in terms of being a starter, Joey Cantillo's changeup is good enough to make him a
2: bullpen piece immediately. Absolutely immediately. Andy, like Andy's yeah. got high spin 95 at the top of the zone to complement the changeup.
1: Yeah what do you think opponents hit against the changeup this past year
2: uh mid 100s i'll i'll go 1 165-170
1: you were very close 140
2: oh i wasn't that close
1: yeah. that's really good in zone whiff of 47% swinging strike rate of 25% dude got got to fill the zone up a little bit more 55% strike rate not terrible uh for a changeup that's that good
2: yeah, but an in-zone um, whiff of 47%? That's
1: what I'm saying. So if it's in the zone even more, imagine how good it could be. Man. That's, this is a guy that could be a factor for you. And, and even if they want to ease him into the big, like he could break in as a reliever and then transition into more of a, a starter after a little bit. Like he, I think that there's a world where the Guardians are competitive and they think that he can help them out of the pen and then they grow him into a starter eventually too. Isn't that kind of what Cal Quantrill did, mm-hmm. uh, if I'm not mistaken? Yeah, Cal, Cal
2: was a... No, he was a um, off-season mode. Why am I blanking on the word right now? Uh, swing man.
1: Swingman. Yeah. Yes,
2: he was a swing man. Cal was a swing man. He was a reliever. Then he was a swing man, and now he's uh, the best starting pitcher in baseball, according to uh, our co-host of the Just Baseball Show.
1: Yeah, great. Uh, but another really cerebral guy who was just yeah. so smart and so so insightful that he just found a way to get out and and stick in the rotation.
2: Um, Stanford man, come on, Stanford man. <laughs>
1: Uh, last thing I'll mention on on Cantillo, great extension. It's like seven feet of extension on the fastball. Mm-hmm. Above average you know, carry there. You talk about the low release and then that extension with the changeup working off of it. So fastball gets in on you quick. Changeup works off of that. You got an uncomfortable at bat right there if, if, if you're facing him. Staying in Cleveland, Tanner Burns. I know you like Tanner Burns. Tanner Burns, I feel like, is just the classic – right-hander who gets overlooked like just gets out consistently gives you solid solid seasons and you just don't get that much fanfare for him is that fair
2: yes if i'm not mistaken he has to be protected i don't think he'll get protected no and i think you don't think he gets protected i think this guy might be a rule five draft he does have
1: some first round pedigree here though
2: I don't know if he gets protected. I'm not sure of the Guardians' 40 man situation. I have that's no clue thing. how many opens he, he could there. get traded. I, if
1: if Tanner Burns is unprotected, that's my first pick.
2: That's my first pick. Yeah, more. So I know he walks in Thad Ward. But-
1: I know he walks. Yeah, there's no way he's worse than Thad Ward. It'd be like the the Thad Ward. I'm phoning in the pick before the the draft kind of thing because the difference with Tanner Burns too slider is disgusting. Like that's his one plus pitch. He's got. He's got some other intrigue, but I could plug him straight into my bullpen and then hope he develops into a starter, but I can protect him there and not have to worry about sending him down. Slider was a great pitch for him. Fastball has great characteristics. I actually love that you put Tanner Burns on here because now that I'm looking at some of the pitch data too again.
2: I- okay, so dude, they're right at 40 on the 40-man roster. Let me uh, – God, I let can't me- wait for the 40-man deadline. It's like my Super Bowl. Who are they going
1: to leave off, and then we start the, the 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 rule five preview. But just while you dig that up, dude. So is, Tanner Burns averages twenty inches of IVB. It's a high release point, but not like egregiously high. It's a five point nine, so it's like slightly above average. But twenty inches of IVB on the fastball, opponents do not hit that pitch well. Sub two hundred average against that sliders. Now, dude, he would be my number one pick in the rule five unless somebody else shockingly gets left off.
2: They have exactly 40 on the 40 man roster and they need to protect Daniel Espino, Burns, Jonathan Rodriguez, Dion Frias. Who would you who else did you say? What was that? Espino, Jonathan Rodriguez, Dion Frias. Bro, I'd almost I'd almost leave Espino unprotected. Yeah, you can't. Like you like,
1: you like legally can't. <laughs> but- like, if you want to take Espino and, th- and throw him in your bullpen, he might be coming out of there throwing 72, like, go ahead. And, and I hope that's not the case. Again, Espino is one of my favorite pitching prospects, maybe ever, uh, besides Yuri Perez, when, when I was watching him and, and seeing some of the pitched out of there, it was, it was outrageous. But I mean, that guy's been thrown in two years. They added Rodriguez. This is going to be interesting. What they will do, though, is they'll trade him. It, it, that's the difference. I think he's too valuable. To, like Blake Hunt just got traded. Was it for much? No, we talked about that, but he got traded for something that was worth more than hundred thousand dollars that you're gonna get from a team. if if the forty man deadline's coming by, they'll trade him. Like they'll get they'll get something decent for him, at least a lower level flyer. So, yeah, that's a name to watch because going back to the numbers, for whatever reason he repeated double, i don't I don't really know why. I don't know, and, and he wasn't a full time starter. Yeah, yeah I say they had him working out of the pen. So I mean, command again has been kind of an issue for him. Thirteen percent walk rate, walks about four per nine. But that was really a newer issue at the double A level. If he can click with the command a little bit, again the fastball shapes fantastic. The slider's really good. Those two pitches make him a guaranteed seventh inning man for me at the big league level. I, I confidently think that, especially with everything ticking up, I think he'll even easily be a setup man. But this is a guy that could also stick as a starter. So this is your classic swing man type. I, I would trade for him also like if they're if they're going to try to salvage whatever they can get. If they can't find a 40 man spot for him, I would give up a, a lower level flyer for him in two seconds. And every I, team in I baseball, love that. I have, You will yeah. get, get every team in baseball. Oh, we need pitching. We need pitching. We need pitching. We need get guys like this and see what happens. You can't teach some of the stuff that Tanner Burns does. That's why he was round pick.
2: I love that you're buzzed on the Tanner Burns Kool-Aid right now because I've been buzzed on it for a while.
1: Dude, the is nice.
2: Yeah, it is. Like it's really a good.
1: 5'8 release height, five nine release height with 20 inches of vert. Like I I, I he's I see power, Your man. Brain like he was calculating those metrics. Yeah, that's how you you knew all along. Oh yeah. You saw Fact. that. You just you I saw, saw the, you saw the IVB relative to the release. You you saw all of that.
2: He is, he fits my billing of bully ball pitching. Well,
1: like, I will say there's a there's a specific trend, and this is where like you know, people talk about the IT test and things like that there's guys that you use certain adjectives for to, to me. And I almost know what I'm going to see in the data. Most of the time, sometimes there's like outliers guys that just almost like catfish us a little bit, but there's yeah. guys where you're like, Oh, like the, the fastball is like really jumping, like it's bully ball type. And usually it's going to be like a, a, a high carry, lower release point type of pitch. And I'm like, I'm in. So like yeah. there, there's guys that you just almost unconsciously process that. And like the commonalities between that is, is interesting, but no, you're spot on with this. I think, I think with the right, you know, the right opportunity, he could be in the big leagues next year. So we'll see if somebody tries to snag him or if Cleveland finds a way to make room another way on that ball club. Yeah. Here's a guy. Honestly, I'm not even gonna pretend I have much on at all. You added him, Kai Wei Tang.
2: Yeah, four is yours. Uh, he's fascinating. He is Giants Double A. He somehow kind of worked his way to a four and a half this year Um, between double and triple a 126 innings punched out nearly 12 per nine struggled with command, but had a mid fours in Richmond. That is a pitcher friendly environment. Sacramento is hitter friendly and he got better in Sacramento Um, Experienced The ABS five and a half walks per nine. I worry about the command. But this guy has proven that he can throw a shit ton of innings. He threw 136 innings in double A in 2022. He threw 126 between double and triple in 2023. Add in that he's punching out 11 per nine at pretty much every stop. He threw 95 innings in Eugene in 21. He was striking out 13 and a half per nine. Shit's weird. And like weird shit gets you to the big leagues. And, And I think that this guy somehow has enough weird stuff to figure out a way to get to the the big leagues. It's, it's odd because you see how many innings this cat has thrown and you're like, Oh, I don't want him to be a reliever. I want him to eat a ton of innings, but there's gotta be like two pitches in there that can make him a serviceable reliever.
1: Yeah. No, you got a reliever, this guy, but it could work. Um, Dude, you're not going to start if you're throwing your slider 44% of the time. But that said, that slider is nasty, nasty, he throws it 44% of the time and held opponents to a 140 batting average. Like That's his primary pitch, and you hit 140 against it. Throw him in a pen. 28% in zone whiff, 35% chase, 22% swing and strike rate on that slider. Sign me up. You put him in a pen, that fastball ticks up from 93 to probably 94, 95. Looks like a big league reliever to me. Just whether he Here can throw go. enough strikes.
2: That's what, what I got for you. Yep.
1: Yeah. That's uh, it's a fun name, too. I'm, I mean, it also, it's like a funky, like, high three-quarters weird delivery. Yeah. Luis Guerrero is a guy that throws fuzz with the Boston Red Sox and definitely an underrated arm because he's only 23 in AAA. And, I mean, when he is anywhere near the zone, good luck. Really, I think the biggest competition for Luis Guerrero is Luis Guerrero. And it's, and it's similar. It's like the hitters and the pitchers, the same thing, right? It's like great stuff. Where's the command? You know, big power. Where's the contact? Guerrero had big whiff numbers on three pitches. His fastball, his slider, and his changeup. He has closer stuff. Fastball sits 97, touches triple digits. But, you know, you can't walk 15% of batters. That's It's going to be hard to succeed that way. However, stuff's crazy.
2: Yeah. I, he is, what, double A this year. He was under five walks per nine. Or under five hits per nine.
1: Yeah. Like, I, again, yeah. It's like the only competition for him is him.
2: But that's hard to fathom. Um, you know, we saw him in the futures game. We were like, who is this guy? And then all of a sudden he was throwing 99. And it's like, oh, I've known Luis Guerrero my entire life. Yeah.
1: Yeah. No, I, I remember when he was uh, put on the, when we did the futures game roster preview, it was just like throws I don't fuzz. Know that yeah. That's, yeah. That all I got is throws fuzz. Uh, it's a little dead zone which can hurt him sometimes, but. Made some adjustments to kind of get that a little bit more, you know, a little bit more vert on it, but it is a little dead zone ish. But the slider and the changeup are nasty, and and you can get away with dead zone in the upper 90s to 100 miles an hour. Uh, hey, this is a potential reliever for them this year. I mean, we know they need arms. And when you look at what he did in AAA, I thought he settled in decently. Like the ERA's inflated because he had a, a couple eh outings, but he also had a couple really nasty outings, like struck out the side against Syracuse. Uh, a couple others where you, you looked really solid. So uh, we'll see if the, the command can kind of come together. He's still, you know, it was his age 22 season, which is which is worth noting. Yeah. Another reliever, Andrew Magno. I, and there's probably a bunch of relievers we could have talked about, but these are like even more under the radar relievers because I, I, I'd love to highlight some of the other guys that we've talked about in the past. And you can talk about he, like, like
2: Anthony Maldonado. Maldonado. I was. I was trying to highlight Maldonado. I was trying to figure out a way where I could do that without being redundant on this podcast. But I think everybody every
1: week, it's it's egregious that he has not gotten an opportunity. Yeah, it's crazy. But Magno, Tigers lefty, low nineties heater, nasty slider, kind of the same thing. Um, Command questions.
2: Welcome to the story. Got nothing to add. That that's exactly it. Like nobody hit against him this year, but. You know, he beat himself sometimes with the walks, but all in all put in a sub two ERA between double A AA and triple A.
1: Yeah. Low release height five eleven. What's interesting is lefties and righties struggle equally. So this isn't like a lefty specialist This is a guy that can come in and, and, and get hitters out from either side of the plate. Yeah. Jordan leisure was traded to the white Sox in the deadline time this past season. Leisure's got loud stuff. I saw him out at the fall league. So it was, it was fun to be able to kind of, See see why they would go get a reliever, and it's easy to understand why like in a trade package. Just, this is a guy that's going to be in their bullpen this coming season. There's a reason why he's out at the fall league. Leisure averages 98 with the heater and has a pretty good slider. And that's it's those two pitches: upper 80s slider, upper 90s heater. Here it is. Try and hit it. Um, but really it's I think the fastball is his best pitch. It's 97, 98, floating 99, and 19 inches of IVB, relatively low release height, slightly above average extension. That's a fastball that's just going to overpower hitters, even at the big league level. And I think should give him a pretty high floor as a, a big league reliever.
2: Yeah, 48 and a third innings this year between A AA, Tulsa, A Charlotte, after the trade, 79 punch outs in 48 and a third innings. And then he goes to the fall league, eight and a third, 13 Ks, two walks. So he kept the walks in check. He walked four and a half per nine this year. Um, but 13 and a third with Charlotte, 23 punch outs, eight walks. Like he's a strikeout savant. And the White Sox are looking for guys to add to that bullpen and bolster it. Um, they have a good one in Santos moving forward. How many young guys can you ID and keep there? Um, you know, it, it was fascinating because a couple of years ago you were you were looking at Cody Hoyer as the closer and waiting. I think Santos is probably the closer and waiting, but leisure has he set up stuff.
1: Yeah. 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 He's got, he definitely has high leverage stuff. Um, and then last but not least, probably a guy that does border on the Yankees top 10 now. We'll, we'll see, but Richard Fitz finished the year in double a, or sorry, played this whole year in double a and finished in double a, uh, yeah. but had a really nice season. And this is a guy that, you know, we were talking about trends of, Being better than you were like at any other level as an amateur, this is pretty much what Fitz did too. His collegiate career ERA was a five, two, three. (laughs) And then he shredded through the competition uh, for most of the, the 2022 season. Once he got up to high A, you know, he struggled a little bit low A and then something just clicked for him in Hudson Valley. And then this past year in Somerset, 152 and two thirds innings, 163 Ks, only 43 walks, Pitch to a 3480 all right. Just really solid stuff across the boards. Uh good good all around arsenal too. Quality fastball in the in the 93 to 95 range, plus slider. Uh mixes in a changeup and a cutter and a taste breaking curve. Fitz is bordering again on that, like too good to be considered on this, which tells you how solid he is. This is a potential solid number four, number five starter, I think, for the Yankees. It's just again, do they ever actually give these guys a chance or do they end up trading them?
2: Yeah. He's probably the the fourth best starting pitching prospect with the Yankees, which is why we're talking about yes, him, correct. right? Because Yeah, it
1: is what you got. Thorpe, you got Hampton, you've
2: got, um, who else are we taking ahead of him? Will Warren, probably. Will Warren, yeah. I was thinking those three. Yeah. So, and, I, and the,
1: there, there's the kid at the lower level, Serna, that um, I, I think. Luis know.
2: Serna, you love Luis Serna.
1: Yeah, he got hurt this past year, which. Which stinks, but I think, you know, a lot, some people may consider him ranked, ranked higher, but...
2: Diabolical changeup. Insane.
1: Oh, oh it's gross. But yeah, Fitz, uh, Fitz would be right there, though. So yeah, he is underrated in the system by that by that lens and would technically probably be outside of the top 10.
2: Yeah. So Fitz, I need to ask him how he did this, because I understand a, a slow buildup. I understand a quick buildup to 152 innings in the minor leagues. But he threw 62 and two-thirds innings in 2019, pre-COVID, his freshman year at Auburn. 2020, 13 innings, then got shut down. 2021, 41 and a third at Auburn, five and two-thirds at, at Wareham. So he threw 47 innings. Then in 2022, 112 innings. So his previous high was 62 and two-thirds pre-COVID. And he jumps to 112, and then he jumps to 152. How do you do that? I have no idea how he does that. And he, Well, he's built. He's 6'3", 235. And you know
1: what's awesome? First 10 starts of the year, fastball average, 94 miles per hour. Final, uh, final 10 starts of the year, fastball average, 94 miles per hour. Guys, go for it. Sweet. So I feel good about him sticking as a starter, too. Uh, and command is pretty solid. I Fitz is probably one of the dudes that will end up being that trade ship. I think they hold on to one of Hampton, Thorpe, Warren, and then they'll just they'll just cut everybody else loose like they always do uh, in a package for somebody else. That'll do it for this episode. We again, if you if you didn't catch the Victor Scott interview, go check that out. He is awesome, uh, Cardinals prospect. We also did a live breakdown on the YouTube. Definitely check that out. He walks us through how he steals bases and what's going through his mind, his swing, all that good stuff. Next week, we should have a conversation with Eric Brown Jr. And then week after that, we're hoping for uh, Graham Pauly uh, once the fall league is done. So we should have a nice little guest list going through this entire offseason here. Next top prospect list, by the way, the Rockies. So we will be doing the Rockies top prospects. Actually way more intriguing than you may think with the storylines of where does Zach Veen line up? Uh, Where do some of these newer arms line up? Some underrated players that may be way higher than you think. Why doesn't RM ever rank Jordan Beck as high as everybody else? We're going to talk about all of that, all of that. So I think it's going to be really, really fun. Uh, Looking forward to that. If you can leave a rating and help us grow. What was that? Was that the Benny Montgomery hitch?
2: Yeah, Yeah. I did the Benny Montgomery.
1: Why does Benny Montgomery continue to hitch? We'll talk about it all. Uh, But that'll do it for this episode. Stay tuned on the Just Baseball show. A lot of fun stuff in the offseason over there. Uh, And if you can leave a rating, we really appreciate it. Thank you for listening. Talk prospects with you next week. Have a great week.